it's kind of fine as long as you're viewing it as like identical to paper magic which it's just not oh, it's, like, yeah it's completely different in my opinion like like the choice between arena and magic online is like the choice between like getting kicked in the balls and kicked in the teeth yeah <laughs> fair enough especially when you're first starting to it's so tough to get like involved right like yeah like to navigate the well the only way to play constructed is if you go find this third party rental service and it's just like okay i'm done i'm not playing this video game anymore. there's no way <laughs> well yeah especially coming from other games like if you don't know that's the case you just show up and you're like i'd like to play magic and there's a bunch of hoops you got to jump through well i don't i don't think that's i think it's more of an imagined problem than i don't know how to explain myself well like the only people who are going to play magic online right now are the people who want to grind tournaments. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, everyone else is just going to go to Magic Arena, which is horrible, right. but is also reality. <laughs> it's the new and flashy program. It does have a tutorial. I do like that. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 201 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. And we are joined today by Sean Hunter, the Baron of Bacon himself. Sean, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, by the way. No, no. To be here. It, it's really cool. I'm, I'm super glad you could make it. Uh, we are going to be tapping you and your talents for uh, coverage this weekend because for the first time in what? the entire history of mana traders tournaments you you finally missed one true yeah I, I ended up qualifying for that first month even like the beta last may and then ended up qualifying every month since and popper did me in unfortunately but good for good for coverage team the first popper tournament rolls around and we like everyone in coverage just gets busy and then sean doesn't qualify it's perfect it is perfect it actually worked out really nicely and so you know you miss on Popper. We brought you on, and we're just gonna make you talk about Popper, the format you couldn't couldn't quite figure out. Did you out. know, Sean? Also, we've got multiple comments because you're you're always great for streaming the manager tournaments to us. So we usually like feature you round one because you're like a guarantee. We know you've got. We know we've got you. <laughs> and people in Twitch chat have caught on to this. And they're like, ah, oh, round one feature match, Baron of Bacon, of course. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wait until they see this round one. <laughs> I mean, I'll still be featured technically. Just not yeah. on the battlefield. You'll be right in the middle of it. Well, kind of off to the side in the corner is where we keep you, but, you know. Still it. counts. I'm still yeah. there. I'm showing up. So for those of you who don't know Sean, Sean is a regular in our community, but also a regular in general, like, online play, especially, like, you've been doing a ton during the pandemic pandemic and stuff like double uh cfb showdown champion 2-0 against huey in the the bonus match or whatever it's called yeah that was pretty cool like both times we played uh, a semi mirror almost the the most recent one that i won was a full 75 card mirror with the nire adventures and <laughs> then the uh the event in january we were playing a gruel adventures mirror i was like a little bit favored with my main deck but i mean it, it's just super cool to be able to play high level magic against huey and you know just take down a tournament a couple times i i would love it if standard were a reasonable thing to talk <laughs> about and then we could talk about your you know tournament experience but i like i legitimately think that somebody would come to my house and beat me up if we tried to talk about current standard right now i, I don't think that would fly 
I, I completely agree. Even though I love, like, I don't want to say, like, stale standard, but established standard is one of my favorites to actually play. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I know from an outside perspective, a lot of people don't really care about the the old stuff and how nothing's really changed since Eldraine dropped. So I get it. It's it, it's tough to make a, a podcast about, to be complete. Like, the turning the, the little nuts and bolts and trying to get it exactly right. But it, it doesn't make the best entertainment all the time. Well, it's really fun when cards get banned, which happened a lot. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, so we're going to talk about a couple of things today. We are going to talk about modern because that's, you know, that's what I, that's what's on everybody's mind. We're going to talk about popper some because we do have the Mana Traders popper tournament coming up this weekend. And I think we'll start out with just like a little bit of acknowledging the we always get announcements made immediately after i post an episode and then we gotta wait a week to talk about them so the announcement for this time is just not even an announcement just uh here's the prize pool for worlds please nobody notice that it's a quarter of what we previously announced the prize pool for worlds would be so that was not super fun to see everyone noticed instantly my favorite tweet (laughs) was by i think nasif who said that there were now 750,000 less reasons to not just keep playing modern on Magic Online. Because <laughs> the Worlds, of course, is what, standard and historic? Right. And and every obviously everybody streaming who does Moto and Arena would prefer to be playing modern right now during a post-MH2 celebrating new cards time. But yeah, so Worlds originally in the like old OP structure announcement was going to have a total of a million dollar prize pool super sick sounding tournament that a lot of people worked really hard to qualify for and then when they posted the details of it this past week it's got a $250,000 prize pool and it's just not the tournament that they promised to the players who uh, put in a lot of work to get there so that feels real bad feels really on brand for Watsy OP announcements at this point, but you know, it's not something that should just be like ignored or eye rolled at. Like this really sucks. It wasn't that long ago yeah. that they posted the original prize pool, right? Like, wasn't it just a year ago that they updated worlds and all of a sudden it's just kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause they delayed it. They didn't have worlds last year because of the pandemic. But they were still going to have like their big esports worlds thing, and they advertised it a little bit, and it was a big selling point of like the MPL the previous year, which of course you know it's not happening either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and this isn't a super surprising thing for them to have done. I mean, it sucks because really, like, people had already done the work; they were locked into this thing, and then it, the rug just got completely pulled out from under them. But you know, they are disbanding generally organized play at least like pro play right now the thing that is surprising to me is that they are for the moment at least pretending that like mpl and rivals will still be a thing for the next year when like the thing that makes way more sense for them to do and the thing that i have to imagine they're going to end up doing is just buying everybody out of their contracts and not like Mm -hmm. doing the season yeah, just like dissolving play, because it's probably not going to be a great show. I mean, people rarely cared about the league weekends anyway, right? It was just mostly the set championships. But it's going to just be a total farce if they play for a year 
in defunct Bravo. MPL and rivals. Like, for, like how bad the last tournament Wait, was. They're, like, they're playing for world's qualification too, right? That's like the purpose of the MPL now. They're not playing for MPL. Right, they're playing for I'm, only world's quality, and and they just they cut this one down to two fifty. I'm sure the next one's not going to be a million dollar tournament either. Yeah, it might be under hundred k for that one if they keep going the way they're going. Yeah, announce it at two fifty, cut seventy five percent of the prizes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's it's wild to me the uh, the league weekends. I'm extremely plugged in with Magic. I I love watching Magic. I love playing Magic, and I have maybe watched one league weekend of the whole MPL. Just didn't bring me in. It didn't want me to come watch. I don't know. Yeah, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but they're so sad. Like, it's just so isolated. There's no real sense of anything really happening. Right. Except for the one time where, like, Brad ran downstairs to mess with BBD during their match. And it was like the one spark of joy in the entire experience. Yeah, that's the highlight of the those weekends, just trolling people. Right. Not a lot to say. Like, I don't have a, a take here. I don't think there's any reaction that you can have to this except for like, boy, what a shitty thing to do. That's super unfortunate for everybody that was involved. And what's also unfortunate is that it's not very surprising that they would pull this. Which is a shame, you know, like when you come to expect this bad news over and over, it's uh, it's not great. Yeah, it's a a pretty poor relationship that we have with you know the you see that there's going to be an op announcement you kind of like flinch and can barely bring yourself to click on the link at this point and we're still here well, uh, still playing in my experience i find it's easier to uh click on the re- link like scan it because it doesn't really explain anything then just scroll through twitter to see what people are saying about it and the watsy replies to those people yeah there's more information there usually <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. Like it's so much easier to tell what's going on when people summarize it than actually reading the articles. <laughs> uh, yeah, their uh, comms department could use a little bit of updating and uh, modernization. I would say. But happier things. Should we talk about a little modern? Yes. Great. Couple of challenges this weekend. That's really the main place to see decks that actually like had to fight through something to get results i don't think it's super worth scrolling through the 5-0 dump for our purposes i would rather see decks that got tested a little bit and just kind of see where the format is developing sean how much modern have you been playing lately not a ton to be honest um Mm -hmm. i bought a whole bunch of cards and paper for anticipation to start playing again but um I know I played humans a lot in the past, so I updated that. Uh, I've been playing a little bit with the Cascade Rhinos deck, which has been pretty impressive. And uh, still been playing a little bit with Prowess with Dragon Rage Channeler, because that card is absolutely correct. So you've subbed out the Sprite Dragons? That's what I've generally seen. I don't know if that is the threat that you have taken out of your deck, or, or what's your what's your build looking I, I like? Think, I think it's one of those two. I know the list that won the challenge on the Sunday didn't play the Sprite Dragons, and I mm-hmm. think it's one of the blue threats you want to cut. I don't think you want to be touching the, the red one drops, because it's, it's just the games where you have the red one drop, especially on the play, are so much different than if you have to wait till turn two to deploy a threat. Yeah. My gut tells me to keep in the Stormwing Entities, because there's like a lot of Prismatic Endings in the format. And so I would rather have a card that like doesn't really die to that than a card that does die to that, I guess. That makes sense, especially and, with and like push and bolt. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just being immune to some removal spells and just being big. 
I think matters more than the sprite dragon. Yeah, but holy crap, Dragon's Rage Channeler just like maybe the most generically powerful modern card out of the set now that we've seen things settle down a little bit. Urza Saga obviously still great, but like Channeler has breathed life into like a lot of different stuff. My favorite part about that card is that like Ponder and Pyridan are the ban list because they make your deck too consistent. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Rage Channeler does the same thing and like kills you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> card is wild right it just adds a it turns every spell you you cast into like a legacy level cantrip basically and it combos so well too with lava dart or if you're playing uh arc light phoenix in your deck too i know aspiring spike was talking about playing mono red phoenix with the uh, the new faithful suiting quote unquote mm-hmm. yeah i wasn't a fan either i played that deck <laughs> but it's just so hard to like, the two-mana spells are just leagues and leagues worse than every other spell when you have Arclight Phoenix in your deck, and, like, the sequencing with it doesn't funk, you know? Like, even if you cast Faithless Salvaging on turn two, and then you rebound it on turn three, your loots are happening at such an awkward time. It's a a rummage on turn two, and then a rummage in your upkeep before your turn three draw step, and before you cast any cantrips at all, and you didn't even get to cantrip on turn two because you were casting Faithless Salvaging. So, like, you've you've done, like, five or six cards fewer worth of digging than if you were casting, like, a Faithless Looting as your last spell on turn three. It's so hard for me to get behind that, like, concept of Arclight Phoenix. I do want to play Dragon's Raid Channeler with Arclight Phoenix, though. That sounds fantastic to me. Yeah, for me, it's not even the, like, Faithless Salvaging thing. That card's not that great. It's more that by playing Monored Phoenix, you lose out on like storming into the and express iteration, which are just both incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Iteration's a lot better for sure than like light up the stage. Like the amount of times that I've light up the stage into two phoenixes and felt very bad about myself. Yeah, yeah. When you have any sort of situational cards or cards that require a particular setup, light up the stage's lack of selection and the fact that it just sticks them into the ex- you know you don't get the options with it, but with iteration you put one of those phoenixes in your hand, play the land or cast the spell that's the third card, and you are totally fine with what just happened. But yeah, I, I think that like one of the lessons to take away is that Dragon's Rage Channeler with any graveyard active stuff in your deck gets a, a, an even bigger boost. If you're able to put Lavadar, Arclight Phoenix, or Kroxa in your graveyard, like any of those, and that just takes the card to like another level. And it's good enough without doing that too. It's but if you have any of that graveyard active stuff, you, you get actual card advantage out of your one drop that is also a 3-3 flyer. So you said you were playing some of the Cascade deck. Are you a 12 Cascader or an 8 Cascader? Definitely the 12. I think the white spells add enough, especially for Teferi and the Mirror. Mm-hmm. And I think Ardently yes. actually matters quite a bit in the Mirror too. I think it, the Exalted Rhinos coming in matters as well. Um, oh, I don't know what... I don't know what other white cards you get access to, like maybe timely out of the board, I guess. I know some people have been struggling with the burn matchup, and I've seen ley lines of all sorts been popping up here and there, which are kind of awkward. So as far as like developments from the past week, one thing that I've seen is more raw numbers of Urza Sagas in these top 32s. I think like 11 Urza Saga decks in the Saturday Challenge. Wow, it looks like 12... Urza Saga decks in the Sunday challenge. You know, that's quite a few more than the week before. I wonder how much of that is like 
differences in card availability versus actual like metagame development but that's a significant portion of the metagame i think it's more availability I know that people are trying out different builds too of that deck. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. like blue red or Grixis or green black. And I think maybe after uh, the first challenge day, people maybe saw lists or were iterating a bit more and just had the extra day to kind of put something together. But I, I do think the availability is probably the the main thing that was holding that card back. Yeah, and it's it's in a couple of main archetypes. Generally, only showing up in, you know, the, we're not seeing it in like blue white control. That's that's not the thing. It's not getting forced into things. It's generally in either amulet or artifact decks that it's actually happening. Though that whole clump of decks just so happens to be making up a significant portion of these challenge results. What it isn't making up, though, is, you know, I've been watching a bunch of different streams and I've been playing some leagues and Urza Saga is just not showing up in league play at all but that could also be an artifact of card availability like i'll rent or buy these if i'm serious and gonna play some tournaments but i'm not gonna really bother with urza saga for just jamming some leagues i want to play the fun cards i guess there's also the whole league thing of you know people play leagues to try things out a lot of the time too Mm -hmm. and while there is you know still a lot of room to explore with urza saga there's a lot more room just not touching it and trying everything else out yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some exploring, in particular with the food deck right now. We are seeing, you know, some some types of decks that we kind of mentioned last week but hadn't really popped out. The consensus for the food decks was really black green at the time, but now we are moving more towards artifact centric blue builds, whether that's blue red or blue black, that have Emery, Urza, and Thought Monitor, the Thoughtcast slash two two flyer. Yeah, I think this started off with. And the blue-red ones do have Oval Chase, Daredevil, and Street Wraith in them, mm-hmm. but no ways to cast those cards. <laughs> so they could appear on Goldfish as, like, Grixis-colored, but they're, they're just blue-red. Yeah. I don't quite yet have a strong opinion on, like, which of these two of the blue decks is better. I've seen both of them been played. I'm a little higher on the blue-black one, because I like the extra permission. Uh, the Ragavan one looks really good when it connects with Ragavan and really bad when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where, I mean, it seems obvious, but Ragavan doesn't add that much to the deck. Yeah, it's not, like, Ragavan's a good card, but it's not a great Ragavan deck. Like, if you connect with Ragavan, obviously that's fantastic. You have extra resources, extra artifacts to use for all of your stuff, but it's not a great deck at enabling the Ragavan to connect. You're kind of hoping to have it in your opening hand and get a little bit lucky and your opponent doesn't have a good answer to it. And if it eats a removal spell that would otherwise be pointed at an Emery or an Asmore, that's fine too. So that's kind of the plan is like, use it as a flag bearer or maybe get lucky with it rather than it being like a key powerful part of the deck. And I actually think where the red cards shine are in Lightning Axe out of the main deck. Mm-hmm. Because these decks, these these blue decks, they have so few ways to enable casting Asmore. It's just Street Wraith and Cookbook, that's it. Uh, so if you get to play Lightning Axe, uh, the other ones could play Bone Shards, the blue-black ones, but that card's a sorcery. Uh, fine, right. but a sorcery. Uh, I like Lightning Axe a lot, and I've seen Gear for Aethergrid in the sideboard, a couple other removal spells that are pretty nice. So it's not like you... The answer is not clear to me whether like red or black is better because red has the better auxiliary cards in my opinion. I know you love a gear per ether grid. 
I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think a big realization behind these decks is that the Troll King part of the deck is... There's some raw power to the Troll King, but if you're making enough food that you could bring back a Troll King, you're often doing pretty well. Like, those foods can be just as usefully used to activate Asmore a couple of times. And you have to play it smart. You know, don't... You generally, like, don't want to run out your Asmore unless you're getting a Shriek Maw effect out of it because, you know, then that's a two-for-one. You don't want to just run it out and get it killed without any useful creature for it to murder. But, like, you have ways to use your food. You don't need to use them to get out a 7-6. You don't need to close out the game super quickly because what you're actually good at is grinding really hard. And I think that these decks playing Emery and Urza and stuff are really acknowledging that and leaning into the, the pretty grindy game plan. Although I will say that I'm still not super sold on Urza as part of the plan. It does seem to be kind of doubling down on stuff that the deck is already good at with all of its other component pieces and just be like kind of expensive and then good if they just like don't have an answer to it. I've been liking Urza as a two of mm -hmm. personally. Just like a really good card in the top. Because Urza is really powerful, especially mid-game. But when you fill your deck with a bunch of them, and this was kind of the problem Feasting Troll King had, where you it was really clunky if you couldn't, if you weren't like super humming, your deck wasn't doing its thing all at fire on all cylinders. Urza was just never coming out. It just clunked up your hand. I mean, sure, you can discard extra copies to cookbook if you got going, but that usually means you're already doing well. Sure. You know? Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And another thing that we've seen uh, really start popping up lately, almost the main Urza Saga deck at this point, is the Colossus Hammer deck. There's uh, four of those in the Sunday challenge. And then let me see if I can... And two in the Saturday challenge. But, you know, for a deck that was a meme deck not that long ago, uh, this deck is pretty, like, it's just a legitimate, very good deck at this point. Yeah, but... Before we like talk about Hammer Time, I just also want to mention between the two challenges of the food decks, there were no green-black ones. Everyone was playing blue mm, ones. Sure. But Hammer Time. Yep. I mean, not not too much to say about it. It just got a lot by Urza Saga existing at this point. Just huge amount of consistency, redundancy in threat making, and redundancy in being able to get Colossus Hammer and Shadow Spear out. And Shadow Spear key because it does give trample. Yeah, that card seems to be very like both a plan and b plan for that deck being able to get your hammer and also just throwing out a couple huge bodies to to beat people up with seems very very good yeah the stock of shadow spear rose huge with the uh, printing rose saga because it makes constructs and then beats at the constructs they're making just by itself when you get it off your third chapter and a little side hate against boggles too you know yeah. <laughs> are people playing boggles goodness no it, but... there's always that one person though you gotta look out for them yeah. The first time you... Honestly, if I was playing that matchup, I probably wouldn't even realize Shadow Sphere had an activated ability until, like, game two. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it does that. Oh, yeah, 10 Infect. Cool. <laughs> and you just... I, I don't know that that does anything in the Hammer Time deck, necessarily, but... But it's there. The option's <laughs> there. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not just the Hammer Time decks that are playing them. If you got Asmore out, and then you get your Shadow Spear, and then you kill their Boggle with Asmore activations, I mean... You're doing it. You're definitely doing it. You got to feel pretty bad about that interaction if you're a Boggles player. I mean, that's when you just pack it up and go home, right? Is that 
in the wheelhouse of Boggles players? I, I don't know. I've never been <laughs> I I don't know. I, I think that a lot of Boggles players might just keep pushing forward, but I, I could be wrong. I will say that I've never had a Boggles player ever concede to me, no matter how far ahead <laughs> it was. Nice. Love to hear it. Play to your outs. Yeah, never surrender. How can I draw my uh, hyena umbra if I scoop to you? <laughs> just really searching for the bangers in the block of stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to like dig a little bit in my head to come up with hyena umbra to be honest Sean anything that you have seen that really strikes your fancy from these modern decks popping up or anything that you have seen developing that you think is getting to a good place now so I, I know I talked about the, the rhino deck a bit earlier um, I think iterations on that have been a little more tight. Uh, mm-hmm. I know before they played Jace and Cryptic Command, and even like more copies of Bone Crusher Giant. It just seems to me that they're kind of leaning up a bit. I know some lists are playing Dead Gone as well as their removal spell. I, I want to like humans. I'm a, I like I cashed a GP with humans as a team GP in Toronto a few years ago, but I, I just don't think humans can compete with what the food decks are doing, especially when you have this three three that just kills all your creatures for free. Is just not really beatable, unfortunately. Yeah, Asmore is such a huge problem for creature decks generally that i i don't know how recoverable that sort of matchup is i like i i just don't know how to build a humans deck to beat a deck with access to asmore i think you just need to medley mage at first that's like the mm-hmm. only thing i can think of because i think once it hits the battlefield it's just too late to to bounce it or reflector major dismember post board which yeah. is not a great place to be in if you can't play a medley mage before they play their namesake card so yeah and i mean typically the decks have very little removal other than the Asmore, you know, like two lightning axes or two bone shards or something like that, maybe an ether spell bomb uh, or a fatal push. Uh, so it's not like impossible to get meddling mage down, name Asmore, but they're aware of that play. In matchups where your opponent has removal spells, you hold your Asmore. When you're playing against humans, there's really no reason not to just put the Asmore into play as early as possible. So if you got the Street Wraith, put it into play on turn one. If you got the Cookbook, put it into play on turn two. And then it's it's way safer in play. Yeah, then it just sits there and you can't can't really do anything about it. Like, you're just going to get two for one or worse if they have a bunch of food available. Yeah. And, and they're taking out your important creature each time. So... It's so hard to keep up at that point that I, yeah, it's just a rough one. If you're casting creature spells as part of your plan, then Asmore really throws a wrench into that. There's two decks I want to talk about. Let's do it. Both had some like reasonable challenge results. Uh, the first one's the Yawgmoth deck, which everyone's going up in Grist now, a card I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm super happy about that. Nice. Uh, but this deck is doing really well. I've seen people... It got second in one of the challenges. I've seen people just post on Twitter constantly about how much they're winning with Yagmoth. And it's super weird to me. <laughs> because while I think this deck is really good, one of the better cards in the form is Urza Saga. And you just have to put a Graftigger's Cage into play. And this deck is impossible to do anything with. Like Yagmoth is so bad against Graftigger's Cage. There is one, one combo you can include in your deck to beat a craft digger's cage so i think uh, what is what have people been calling this combo but it's uh the scurry oak ivy lane denizen combo <laughs> yo <So>. oh, <laughs> scurry oak is a uh 
an uncommon from MH2, two and a green for a one, two with evolve. Whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put onto it, you may create a one, one green squirrel creature token. Ivy Lane Denison is a four mana, two, three. Whenever another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So this is an Splinter alternate twin. combo. There it is. Yep. Basically Splinter Twin. <laughs> Alternate combo that does not use the graveyard that you can include in your Yawgmoth deck. Tom Ross included it in his list. He finished 20th on Saturday in the challenge. I believe after his stream, he said, yeah, don't put this in your deck. So I'm not <laughs> confident that this is the technology to beat Grafriger's Cage going forward, but it is available. Are you telling me not even infinite squirrels is worth including in your deck? Well, you're playing like a pretty bad draft common and a pretty okay draft uncommon in your like very focused modern deck so the cost is real and you're also not your deck's not full of heaters to begin with right this is the stranger root guys deck <laughs> right but your deck is like very focused on doing one thing these aren't part of that plan generally i mean making a couple of tokens that you can sacrifice to yagamoth isn't like the worst thing in the world but like Ivy Lane Denizen is not not a good card. Yeah. I still think the deck, like, at base value is pretty good. It's got a really good game plan. Not a lot of decks are equipped to interact with it super well. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, Grafticker's Cage exists, and all people need to do is, like, just play it. Right. And unfortunately, Grist is your Skyclave Apparition, and Grist does not answer artifacts. So you've got to have actual disenchant sideboard cards and draw them in order to beat a card like that I, and they're good in the format like rex sage force of vigor and uh the evoke foundation breaker mm -hmm. i think those cards are all really good but when you're when your deck basically just doesn't function at all when it opposing cards in play i mean it's still really rough. Like I, I played Casey, which is an incredible deck. And when your opponent played Stolen Silence, you had four Nature's Claims. Hope you draw them, otherwise you lose. Like, I mean, I'm not seeing a ton of Grafdigger's Cages. You know, a lot of these. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these decks, a lot of these Saga decks, do not have Grafdigger's Cage in their sideboard. So at maybe at least at the moment, you can poke a decent hole in the meta with Yogmoth and people aren't quite ready for it. It's just that there is an escape valve for it if, if the deck becomes heavily represented. Yeah, I feel like the Yawgmoth decks, it's been around for quite a bit, but it hasn't really got the respect over the years. Maybe not years, but it, it's uh, it's just strange how it's been there for a while and nobody's ever tried to attack it, and especially with good results lately, then, like you said, even Ashiok as well as Cage. Mm -hmm. I guess Cage gets fetched by the Saga can just really go after that deck yeah ashiok is pretty gross too it, it is technically years now right because it was just a couple of how are you counting the pandemic <laughs> i mean yeah well the, the pandemic was five thousand years long so yeah it feels like it <laughs> but you know like pretty much as soon as like the hogak ban happened like we started seeing a little bit of yagmoth happening after that so maybe not quite like certainly not quite two full years but it's been around like yagmoth isn't hasn't not been a thing for a long time the Hogak ban feels so long ago. That feels like a different like time frame entirely. It's a whole different decade ago. Each of the like huge modern bans feels like a big like a generation of the format. Like 
in the long, long ago. You know, like KCI into Hogak into, well, I mean, I guess Faith Zooting was part of the Hogak band, but like Hogak and Arclight Phoenix disappearing into like Uro getting, like they all feel like just like huge time gaps, but none of them, like KCI getting banned was actually not that long ago, really, in the big scheme of things. What are you guys' opinions on Heliod? I think that deck could be potentially well positioned going forward, but nobody seems to be playing it right now. That is exactly what I think about it. It seems like a fine deck that absolutely no one is playing. So I think there's a couple of things here. Um, I think number one, the card Asmore is actually kind of a problem, and maybe people need slightly better plans against that just like multiple shriek mob visara combo creature but i don't think that's an unovercomable thing i think one weird thing that's going on though is that magic online infinite isn't enough if you're playing against an urza urza saga deck and you gain 500 life and then they just make some 30 30 constructs after they've taken over the game they'll kill you like that's no problem that's a couple of turns of attacking so I don't, I think that if you could actually make infinite life on Magic Online, it would make a significant difference to how represented and how good this deck is. If we were returning, you know, like I ordered the cards that I was missing for it. I'm going to play it in paper when we get back to it. My gut is that it's just totally fine. Yeah, that that's basically sums up my feelings. I, I think it's, I haven't seen anyone, I've been watching a lot of streams. <laughs> I've not played that much modern myself. I have not seen Heliod once, <laughs> not a single. Time. I know, yeah, same. I, I think I think people are just playing other stuff right now, and I do think that if you want to play like a creature based combo deck, I do think Yawgmoth is way better than Heliod. I've not thought that for a while, but I'm especially convinced of it when it's winning a bunch. I, I think that Heliod didn't like. There's no new cards right from Modern Horizons that go into Heliod, and right. especially like with a new set like this, people want to try out the new cards and want to do the cool new thing where Heliod's just like the old, old hat, best deck kind of thing. And I guess people aren't just wanting wanting to play it right now. I think that it's probably getting better and better positioned too as time goes on. Like when Heliod disappears from the format and then people sh- trim all of their sideboard cards, nobody's playing Deicide anymore. Like how do you kill an indestructible enchantment in modern right now? Like nobody can do it. So... I guess Prismatic Ending deals with it. Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I've been really impressed with that card. Every time I've seen it be put on the stack, it's just extremely versatile and can answer almost anything going on. Yeah, I I want to look through this list real quick right now just to see the ratios of... Like, I, I think that most of these Prismatic Ending decks just don't have path in them. Or maybe they have a couple of copies in the sideboard, but like this is the white removal spell now. Yeah, that basically seems the same thing. Just moving away from path because the aggressive decks are too punishing when you pass their creatures. Yeah, yeah ramping ramping prowess always feels miserable. You basically just lost the game as soon as you path their one drop. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> and and like you have to answer specifically really good one drops right now. You have to answer Ragavan and Dragon's Rage Channeler. And so you can't have your one mana removal spell be something you're not allowed to cast on Ragavan or Dragon Ray's channel. Like, you're allowed to, but you'll lose the game immediately. So, um, so yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense that yeah, ton of prismatic ending decks, really not very many 
Oh, wow. Every path that I'm seeing here is in sideboards. There's no, like, it's not a, a part of the makeup of any deck. It's just a tool that you bring in when you need to, like, exile Death Shadows or whatever. And I want to talk about Amulet briefly. Yeah. Because I mentioned last week, I think it's a really strong deck that uses Urza Saga incredibly well. Uh, but no one was playing Abundant Harvest at all. <laughs> And that changed. Oh, good. Canister got second place in the challenge on Sunday with uh, four Abundant Harvests, and other people tried the card out and are also winning with it now. Uh, so I feel pretty nice about that. I also like Imrakul in a sideboard of am amulet decks, Imrakul the Aeon's Torn, mm -hmm. instead of Kozilek, because you can actually cast Imrakul, and it's just unbeatable if you're playing against Esper Control or Jeskai Stoneblade or whatever the control decks people are playing mm -hmm. now. Like, you just, the game gets to a point where you can just cast Emrakul, so you, you do it. I do like casting an Emrakul. You don't get to do it for 15 mana very often, so. And it's probably not that good against, like, the Stoneblade decks, because Culture kills you too fast. But against, like, the slower control decks that don't really have that much of a clock, and they can't stop Emrakul, mm -hmm. it's it's quite good. Cauldra has been a big, like, that card is real. Like, that's a reason to play a Stoneforge Mystic deck. It just, like, patches up a hole that you didn't even necessarily realize that your Stoneforge Mystic game plan had. Uh, the, the card is quite good. Yeah, being able to pressure the unfair decks, like, a lot, like, significantly more than Batterskull was able to matter, matters a ton. And it also wins... Like, it, it overwhelms boards when there's creatures on both sides, just because that 5-5 that five five is indestructible and uh you can't effectively block it like you can only chump That's it super death touch yeah so clogged up boards like this does way better than even the biggest of other equipment it, it just is like an unbeatable threat oh one one more thing while i'm thinking about it <laughs> there were two velomachus lore hold decks in the sunday <laughs> nice. challenge that both top aided <laughs> There was one in 5th and I think one in 8th. But yeah, they're just both the uh, Velomachus Lorehold deck. No real Modern Horizons cards other than Prismatic Ending and I, as the removal spell. I think these are both mana symbols. Lists. Like, List, like, yeah. He's the one that, ha that has been working on this, and I think this is somebody who who uh, perhaps a, a subscriber or viewer of his. But yeah, prop, props to Mana Symbol for making this deck work and it's sick when it works i don't have any deep thoughts on it it's just cool yeah, of course <laughs> and it's got this like flashy combo kill which you know i always root for yeah it's like not a deterministic combo kill either and you gotta sweat it every turn yeah. like, oh hope i hit a time warp <laughs> and every turn you could you could miss you could hit it's exciting and and maybe you uh are ticking up your run in six along the way so at some point it's you know Oh, well, I missed, but I can minus seven this run in six and start casting time warps well, out of my graveyard. Well, I've seen that I've missed, but I hit Prismaria Command, so I'll just loot it to a time warp instead. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I I feel very uh, validated on Prismaria Command. That card kicks ass. It's just, like, one of the coolest and most effective dumb cards that they've printed in a long like you only play it when you're doing something like real real stupid 
and it's just so good at making that happen. I I love this yeah. card. I like how it's not an overt powerhouse, but just like a a goofy enabler for different stuff. Yeah. Like you can be up to no good in like ten different ways with this card, but you have to be up to no good in order to justify including it in your deck. It is I don't know. I'm just delighted by it. Uh, any other modern thoughts from either of you guys? I don't think so. I like modern. Modern's really fun. Um, it's probably one of my favorite formats to play. I know some people are posting on Twitter the amount of matches they played in each format, and I, I took a look at that because I was curious, and I have like over a thousand matches of modern going on, and nothing else is like even halfway close to that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've been playing modern for a long time. I, I started back when Birthing Pod was a deck, and slowly made my way through the banned list, and here I am today. <laughs> so what do you think about this iteration of Modern right now? How does it feel at the moment? I think it feels really good. Uh, I felt like Modern was getting pretty stale, like pre-Modern mm-hmm. Horizons 2. And I was hoping for a change, and here we are. And there's so many new decks. Uh, Saga might be a little bit too good, but like I don't want to you know, toot the band horn quite yet. But overall, I think the format's just new and exciting and pretty pretty balanced as far as most decks go. Yeah, and I mean, in general, like, Saga is seeing more play now, especially in the tournament context, not so much in the league context. It's clearly very powerful, but it's powerful in a specific way. It's generally seeing play in artifact decks and amulet, but generally seeing play in artifact decks. It's not just something that gets jammed into everything. It is a grindy card that enables you to play this kind of long game and it is vulnerable to some specific stuff. Blood Moon, like kind of at the top of the list, because Blood Moon is a really useful card, but also you can Nature's Claim it or Force of Vigor it and, and set them back pretty far. We'll see how it plays out. Card is obviously extremely good, but I don't mind it being like the Mox Opal of this format that allows you to justify playing artifacts in your deck. I think they're uh, people are really happy for bands nowadays, which I kind of get because it like I remember in standard when Omnath came out, we had just gone through what felt like six years of Uro, but actually wasn't. <laughs> and Omnath was the same thing as Uro. So I was really pushing that card to get banned to like ASAP. Because it's just the same thing. It's not that it's not a fun thing. Mm-hmm. This is different. I, I don't like that. Especially in Legacy, people always want the newer cards to get banned when they pushed the older cards that were would never see the light of day nowadays. Because mm-hmm. that's what people like grew up in Legacy with. And for the longest time in Modern, it was kind of like the same thing, right? Uh, people always talked about banning Mox Opal, but it didn't get banned for a very long time because it was just kind of a workhorse for decks people like to play. Mm-hmm. And I think Urza Saga is mostly in the same area right now where it's a very good card, just like Moxable was, uh, but it's mostly just in decks of its own nature. Sure. Not like the Hogak is eight, six out of eight of the top eights in every modern challenge kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like multiple different ways to play it. The fact that, you know, it's not tutoring up the same card every time. There are decks that get Underworld Cookbook with it. There are decks that tend to get 
like Colossus hammer with it. You know, it's doing kind of different things. Yeah, and you, got, you got your Amulet of Vigor deck, you got your Colossus hammer deck, mm-hmm. your cookbook deck, and then your Lantern of Insight deck. Can you just pick your poison? Hey, your Pithing Needle get when they don't fetch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fetch, <laughs> fetch in response to Chapter 3. Just don't don't leave your fetch in play. It's not it's not going to work out well for you. Yeah, I think this is like one of the best modern it's been in a very long time. At least for me, like a year or two. Yeah, I do wonder if that would collapse a little bit if at some, you know, if we get tournaments that are a little more serious than weekend challenges cuz sometimes that is a thing that causes like fun weird diverse formats to get focused down onto the unhealthiest parts but for now it's a playground and it's really like i've just been doing kind of nothing but watching modern streams and and playing a little bit when i get the chance to it's it's really cool i'm super excited to play paper magic when i like get cards in the mail and stuff like that yes i am excited to get back to it because there's no way I'm going to play a modern tournament before ever as the saga's in my hand. That's just not That's just not going to happen. I also legitimately do enjoy playing Heliod, but I can't play it online because, like, if I ever combo and then lose to damage, <laughs> like, I, I just have to, like, turn my computer off and, like, go do something else for the rest of the day. So I, I'm looking forward to being able to play Heliod under the actual rules of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, it hits different when you can say, I'm at a billion life in paper versus clicking for 20 minutes to get to 500 life. <laughs> 500, maybe which, winning. They might still just kill you. <laughs> like, uh, okay, well, here's a Valakut and my Primeval Titan. I'll just kill you now. One of my favorite interactions at a paper tournament was uh, playing against Heliod. My opponent goes, all right, I'm a billion life. And I say, okay. And then he waits for me to concede. <laughs> and, st- and then says okay i'm at two billion <laughs> i say okay go on <laughs> do you want to go any higher <laughs> did did you win oh, i did nice. win that game i lost the match <laughs> i i remember losing a match at like an iq or something where i gained a billion against valakut game three and my opponent is just like okay <laughs> and i was like oh god damn it and then I, but I needed to find out what the thing was. He, like, I can't let somebody bluff me out of a game. And then eventually they fetch a black source and play Vraska Golgari Queen after killing all of my stuff. And uh, that's how that's how I lost with infinite life to Valakut. That's spicy. It it was really spicy. I am still like recovering from that to this day. So a little bit of time to talk about Popper. Sean, you played some of this format. Uh, not quite as many decks in Popper as in Modern, I would say. Doesn't feel like it, especially with the release of Modern Horizons. I was like kind of paying attention to Popper a little bit. I have some friends who are like pretty pretty into the format, um, and it, it looked pretty cool before. But now it just feels like Storm Affinity and other are the deck categories at the moment. Yeah. So we can talk a little bit about what Storm and Affinity are doing. Uh, if you look on MTG Goldfish. Uh, Unfortunately, Storm is not a deck archetype that they have added to their list yet. So a lot of these are called like BR and then have four different mana symbols. But they're all the same thing. I mean, it's Black Red Storm. You've got 
red rituals, you've got black rituals, you've got galvanic relay, one of the storm cards from Modern Horizons 2 that reveals cards from the top of your library. You can cast them next turn. That's kind of your like backup. I, I will win next turn because I didn't quite get there this turn plan. Uh, but your win condition is Chatterstorm and First Day of Class. This is one in a red instant from Strixhaven. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your, under your control this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it gains haste until end of turn, and then you learn. So this gives all of your squirrels plus one, plus one, and haste, and allows you to kill your opponent before they get a chance to do anything about it. Storm deck is pretty good, just really high raw power level in Popper, the enablers are strong because you got like all of the rituals used to be like like they were commons when they used to print these cards so the enablers are really good and that's why every single storm card has had to get banned out of Popper in the past yeah this is like dark ritual bright of flame uh chromatic or it's not chromatic star uh, lotus petal is the other yeah one. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> right the rituals are all of the crazy legacy power level ones yeah they all see play in legacy and the the busted combo yep. decks a lot of modern band cards here including right of flame seething song that's kind of been i think seething songs is seething song a common i thought it was an uncommon oh uh, it's in this it's list a common, yeah. so yeah, must be a common somewhere okay. i don't see it in every list i guess that's why yeah it's only not. like a two of in this list but like regardless, the the reason all the storm cards have been systematically banned out of popper is because you can just go off so so early because your rituals are all legacy level power level, and and that's kind of like popper in a nutshell. Is all of your your creatures all are pretty garbage until the last year or so, but your spells are just straight fire, right? Some of the best removal spells ever printed. Some of the best rituals ever printed. Cantrips. Cantrips really, really good. But the threats can't often can't quite keep up with the power level of the other things. Which is why the format at various times like tends to be pretty grindy, and the monarch mechanic has been overwhelming to the format uh at various times. And and I mean we should probably talk about affinity first, but the like half category of other is generally like disruptive monarch decks that are playing exactly the responsive spells to deal with affinity and storm and have a couple of monarch cards as their ways to because like the storm is certainly not going to take the monarch back unless they are lethaling you with squirrels and affinity if you are keeping them under control hopefully you can just draw keep drawing removal spells but this is definitely the like other category demir fairies and demir delver are not making up nearly as much of the metagame as the two primary proactive decks it's tough too because like storm and affinity are just on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of interaction one's just an artifact based beat you up deck and the other one's entirely combo stack based and it's it's tough for decks especially like a blue black deck to to cover all their bases and still be good against all the other stuff so i i, I do think that storm and affinity are by far and away the best decks in popper at the moment yeah i i can't name a magic card that is good against both mirror enforcer and chatter storm like what how do you what's the overlap there how do you possibly construct a deck with both of these things in mind it, it, it's really hard because if any all the artifact lands are legal in this format like all of them not the ones for modern horizons but you the know, good ones great for yeah. trios tales etc etc like those cards are all just legal 
so these mirror enforcers and the what's the other one name? Oh, you remembered it last time. I know it's something companion. It's a, the companion. It's a sojourner's companion. The salamander. Yeah, sojourner's companion. They just come out so fast, so early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now with the advent of the the squirrel, this was an old like empty the horns trick back when Affinity Affinity's been a deck in Palmer forever because you know artifact lands plus mirror enforcer is good. Uh, but they play Krark Clan Shaman now, as they did in the past, which is uh, just a one drop for a red mana. You could sack an artifact to deal one damage to everything, which kills the shaman, but it also kills every single goblin token and squirrel. And you can use that as many times as you want uh, before it actually dies because it's an activated ability. Uh, but it's a really good card they can just have in their main deck to like clear the board against normal decks. And against Storm, it's an inbuilt hate card. Yeah, and so the the main deck hate cards that people are playing, because you can't actually deal with the Storm engine. You can't interact with them the way that you would in fully powered formats, like Thalia and Thorns and things like that are all rares. So you can't like interact on costs or on the stack in a meaningful way with the Storm deck, but the Storm deck is really limited its win condition is the squirrels. That's how it kills you. It has no other way to lethal you. So echoing truth, echoing decay, any instant speed sweeper effect like <laughs> clan shaman that actually does a good job in, in fully powered formats. It's terrible to try to answer the actual storm card. Like they'll have accumulated so much card advantage. They'll find a different way to kill you in this format though. They, they only have the one way, so you can just kill the tokens and, and that will work. If you have your answer, you may have to do it multiple times though. If they storm off and they also cast a big old galvanic relay, then you, you, you know, you may need to lethal them before their next turn, but it, it still is a legitimate way to address what they're doing. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean, but I think Galvanic Relay is really what puts Storm over the top in Popper, because previously you just ran out of cards a lot. Like, after you did your thing and your opponent answered, you could run out of cards, but now you have a chance to, like, relay before you actually go off, and then just do a bunch of stuff in response. Whereas, like, I, I had previously played a bunch of Popper, and I've always gravitated towards, like, the Storm decks and the Affinity decks, so this one's kind of weird to me, <laughs> where both of them are just clearly the best deck. And I always preferred playing, even though the Storm decks were really, really powerful, I always preferred playing Affinity just because its fail rate was really, really low. But now I don't think that's the case. I think Storm's fail rate is just extremely low now. Yeah, getting able to double the amount of Storm cards you have in your deck, so that even if you quote-unquote like miss and don't find the Shatterstorm, having the relay to reload and just do it again next turn is just so, so very powerful. So I, I, I totally agree that the, the relay on top of the Shatterstorm just takes the deck to the best deck. Yeah, I think if you just had the Shatter, Shatterstorm, I keep calling it Shatterstorm. If you just had the Squirrel Storm card, it would be a strong deck, but not like, I think the level it is right now. Well, and, and particularly like the way it's built, I think recognizes that pretty deeply. It's a black-red deck. You you don't have ponders or or preordains or anything like that. Your lands are ritual lands. They're the lands that come into play tapped, and you have depletion counters, or you can sacrifice them for two mana. Like there's no like I'm setting up my hand. I'm really crafting my storm hand so I can have a really good turn. It's just like I'm gonna cast a bunch of spells and one of my eight storm cards, and then you'll die eventually. So I, I think that this deck in its current composition couldn't exist without galvanic relay 
being that like I have eight copies of this thing. Like our cantripping is like two faithless lootings, the manamorphoses, and then some knights whispers and sign in bloods, which, you know, you only really want to cast like one of those before you go off. And uh that it's it's pretty there, there's not a lot of hand crafting going on here. Yeah, it's tough to chain through your deck with your two mana cantrips versus the one mana. You definitely run through your mana a lot quicker. What were the problems that you ran into while playing this deck? So so mainly like just people wanted to beat me. Main deck I, I ran into, like Lee was saying, the the main deck Clark Clan Shaman or playing against blue black fairies a couple times, they just were able to kinda disrupt me just enough so that when I did go for my combo turn, they had time to find their echoing decay or their echoing truth or whatever it was. Um, and it just I lost a couple of mirrors as well, where either lost the die roll, they could storm off a turn before I could. So people were prepared for this deck. Gotcha. Did you play with anything other than Storm, or did you just kind of run with Storm? Uh, I played a little bit with Affinity as well, um, and I ended up losing to Storm a couple times, but I <laughs> pretty much smashed everything else. The deck feels really, really good. I, I, I like the version with the, the Atog and the Disciple. feels like you're able to burn people up from pretty high life totals and just smash them. A bunch of these affinity decks just have main deck dispel in them too. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was playing that. I love that Popper Affinity plays a Tog, and because the old combo, I, I think most of these decks still play. It. I need to find it. Yeah, they all they yeah, all yeah. play a Tog. Yeah, yeah, a Tog and fling is the card I was actually yep. looking for because <laughs> <laughs> you just fling them. Uh, Disciple of Vault gives you even more of that, where it works on both. If you're playing the Affinity Mirror, Disciple of the Vault works on both players' artifacts. So it's very awkward sometimes. Yeah, I didn't realize I, I actually I didn't realize that in my first mirror, as soon as I started sacking stuff and they had a guy out, I'm like, wait, why am I losing life? <laughs> oh. oh wait, hold on, this is not good. You you have to like do a double count to see if you have enough or if they're gonna galvanic blast you out. It, it's a weird card. Definitely printed, you know, two decades ago or whatever. I really like Affinity in this format. I think it would be easily the best deck if Storm wasn't so powerful. I agree. Especially with the new uh, ETP tapped indestructible lands. Like before, like Gorilla Shaman mm -hmm. was like such a beating, and now sometimes they just like can't mess up your mana base, which is just really big. Yeah, I don't see any Gorilla Shamans as I've been perusing these deck lists. And I think it's mostly a concession to, well, I can't just stone yeah, for what every mana. single turn. <laughs> so, like, why bother? We're not going to Gorilla Shaman a, a Mirror Enforcer, ever. Yeah, maybe even more Gorilla Shamans in Modern than in Papa right now. Yeah, Ponzo is playing that card. I saw a Ponzo list with Gorilla oh, Shaman. Oh, that's deck. right. I was wondering where you were seeing Gorilla Shamans, but you're, you're right. I did see that deck list. <laughs> the Liquid Metal Coding one. Perfect. Yeah, probably not the ideal way to approach the Modern format. But if you really want to grief somebody, I, you know... I'm not going to get mad at you for doing it with Gorilla Shaman. Oh, yeah, here like, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> You're just p printing a picture of the artifact Ponza deck, framing it on your wall. It's just three main deck liquid metal coatings. It's it's beautiful. Hey, get them. <laughs> two two spheres. Like, not joking around. Like, really trying to give your opponent the worst day they've ever had. When, when, you, when your opponent goes, like, turn one at Utopia Sprawl, then plays... A Liquimoto coding and a you're like, oh god, oh, no. what have I signed up for? <laughs> I 
At the same time, you also just have a deep level of respect for them. <laughs> they know what they're about. They're not playing around. Yeah, that, that's the respectful head nod, pick up your cards and leave moment for sure. <laughs> All right, you got me. Well played. I wasn't, wasn't able to cast any spells. That was pretty rough. As far as the... I, not Now that I'm just like looking up modern lists again, I, I'm... <laughs> Even the popper section is all about modern. That's that's how good modern <laughs> mm-hmm. is compared to popper. <laughs> uh, but just generally, right now I'm looking at the Saturday challenge, and I'm just looking for like the incarnations, the elementals, and they're not really showing up. So like no griefs in here, no solitudes, which is pretty surprising to me, and I don't think a really accurate reflection of the format. I think solitude is is pretty good. Just like a you know one one list with subtlety and endurance is popping up like way more than everything else as a sideboard card but in the green decks it's a a pretty solid sideboard card you know actually no just a ton of furies there's a bunch of red decks there's seven different decks with at least one fury in them uh this ponza deck has a bunch of furies in the sideboard of some of these prowess decks as well and yeah Fury seems to be the one making its move. I think mostly because red is pretty good more than anything else. I mean, I also think that it's a like function of how modern works right now. It's really battlefield focused and card advantage focused kind of at the same time mm-hmm. with all the food decks. And it's really hard to put in like two for one cards that aren't even getting you that far ahead. Like you solitude an Asmore, it feels pretty good, but then they also have some contract tokens or troll king in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more solitudes in the Sunday challenge. I mean, I think this card is pretty common in the format and, and generally pretty good. I I would not, I would be very surprised if it kind of like disappears from the format for any reasonable length of time. Yeah, I th- I think it'll float around. I think all of them will, except for maybe subtlety. But I don't I don't think modern is in the place right now where you can reliably just play a bunch of them yeah i mean most of them it seems like for most of them you got to be kind of exploiting them in some way except for fury is just like a way for you to buy tempo in your like kind of clunky red mid-rangey deck for a lot of these like a lot of these ponza decks are playing a lot of furies because they just let you do things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise yeah it's like their catch-up mechanic because mm-hmm. they don't really have cheap spells beyond their their ramp and lightning bolt in the early turns so it lets them kind of interact while still blowing up their lands or doing their own game plan yeah yeah exactly like it's hard to pillage somebody but if you can pillage somebody and kill their creature for zero mana then maybe you're gonna put them into a hole and that's you know a, a legitimate plan can fury hit planeswalkers like Red? it can yes, yes. Okay. Perfect. Pawns is worst nightmare. Yeah, gotta take out the run and six. <laughs> if you pillage and they just like kind of slowly get their lands back. Oh my god, this red midrange deck has four hammer of Bogarden in it. Is that an M Hayashi special? This is an Ether Snake special. But yeah, I, I know, know he was playing that earlier. I'm not sure who got it from whom. It you know it showed up in the top 32, but this is a four three finish this isn't a a real thing i don't believe it's an obosh the prey piercer mono red mid-range deck it's cute 
Wow, I haven't heard the name of Hammer of Book Gardens probably since it was printed in 8th edition. I could not... I, I couldn't tell you why. That That's one that, you know, boggles me. I I, I don't have an explanation there. That sucks. <laughs> it's yeah, it sucks. It doesn't seem good. It costs three times as much as Lightning Bolt to deal three damage. It wasn't even good in standard, and people liked it at the time. You dump it into your graveyard with Dragon's Rage Channeler, and then it's there <laughs> when you got five mana in your upkeep to, to bring valuable. it back. <laughs> And you're not you're not planning on casting a boss or anything like that. You just want to you want to buy back <laughs> a few mana spell. This is a deck with nothing but mana sinks in it, and four forgotten caves. Okay, you you reach turn you've reached your turn five. You five mana or turn six, excuse me, because you need your upkeep. Hammer of Bogard, it's your upkeep. Do you return Hammer of Bogard in, or do you exile Season Pyromancer to make two one ones? So this is a deck that I think would wildly and vastly benefit from not playing Obosh, not being mono red and having Renin six in the deck. I, I just like, can't imagine not playing Renin six in a deck like this. <laughs> I do. I do like, and I think this is picked up a little more, but I don't see it very often. Pyrite spell bomb as an answer to the pro red creatures mm-hmm. while being like a pretty good card for dragons, Rage Channelers, delirium. Sure. Like, it's got a good niche. I wish I saw it a little more in lists. But, I mean, the, the pro-red creatures have fallen off of, as of late because of the Heliod thing. Yes, although a, a reasonable amount of Paladin and Vex just kind of, like, in the decks that can support it. That card is really, really good and beats up... Sanctifier? Art. Sanctifier, yeah, whatever it's called. Sanctifier and Vex, yeah. The, the card is really, really good and beats up on, like, a lot of the mid-rangey decks that happen to have black and red in them. I bet you were thinking of Paladin of because we were just talking about Hammer of Bogart. That's probably true, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what people bring for the mocks this weekend, which I believe is Modern. It is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Modern and Modern Horizon Suite Yeah. I mean, I can't advise anybody to watch that instead of Mana Traders, certainly. But, you know, maybe two monitors. Keep them both on. Well, luckily, luckily the popper matches should be pretty blazing. So, <laughs> you all have time. You, know, you, you, <laughs> you pop over, watch popper match, pop back over, watch it pretty slogging. Well, Modern is in a really interactive place right mm. now. So you'll have time. You, you can watch both. Yeah. And I mean, even if you're not super interested in Modern, like you get to see us. Like that's a that's a selling point. We're great. Yeah. Yeah. Come see my first coverage gig. It'll be so exciting. And Sean. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to disappoint Sean, do you, audience? Nobody wants to disappoint Sean. <laughs> then I'll never come back again, and I'll just be sad. Oh, alone. man. That would be really sad. I I don't think I could live with myself if I allowed that to happen to you. So, you know, come hang out. We'll, we'll have coverage this weekend. It'll be fantastic. We will try not to put up too many Storm V Affinity just, like, race, fe- race cart whatever whatever those it's not going to be a sure thing too because like everyone wants to win there's a lot of money on the line for these tournaments mm-hmm. and it's also gated by like participation of people who are willing to stream to us so yeah it'll be rough but we'll try we do our best yeah i felt bad last month uh i started out 3-0 in uh what format was it last month do you guys remember is it modern Mm-hmm. It was, it was modern. modern, okay. Because I started off three zero, and I know you guys wanted to feature me, but I was I was double queuing with uh, Vintage 
And I was like, okay, I'll just I'll go play my vintage. And I just started losing in both. So I just <laughs> messed myself up. Well, we weren't upset if it makes you feel better. It, it uh, does. It really does. <laughs> not not a lot of skin off of our backs. I beat Justin one round in vintage, though. That made me feel good about myself. Oh, nice. Because I know, I know he plays Was he a lot playing of his nonsense KCI deck? He was playing uh, a Sedgemore Witch Bolas' Citadel strategy. Okay. While I was tapping Bizarre Baghdad over and over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have a good story about Vintage. I, I won in a multi two uh, when trying to qualify for the Vintage Mana Traders. It was a uh, it was a Vintage Mirror match. We were playing Dredge, and on the draw, multi two. My two cards are Strip Mine Leyline. Opponent doesn't have interaction for my Leyline. My draw step was Bizarre, so I, I kill their land. They do nothing. I play my land, and they instantly concede. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my one and only win on a mulligan to two, so I felt pretty good. Vintage, everybody. Does it count as a does it count as a mulligan two when your land draws you like eight cards a turn? <laughs> I, I drew that one, so that that's just how we know. <laughs> okay, smart well, and and good at magic, I guess. Well, I mean, you probably had some like. I, I don't know what your hands were like, but you probably turned down some like bizarre and kind of nothing hands on the way down to your two card hand that you were able to win a game with, right? So like True, there's, yeah. there's decisions. Decisions there. were made, yeah, exactly. Do you wanna answer any of the questions we got, Sean? You can pick one out. Ooh, I can pick one. That's exciting. Yeah. It's all you. Alright. Let's take a look at the Patreon questions. Well, so we have one lovely person who says how is the special guest this week so smart and handsome? Oh, well, Sean, you have to you have to read the person's name so they get their. Oh, of course. So that that was asked. Daily like that. that was asked by Sean Hunter, me. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I was just born this way. Thanks for asking, Sean. Moving on here. Uh, uh, got... I'm glad you're here to answer that question. Oh I, well, I mean, yeah, I can't I don't make have you the guys context for that. it. Yeah. Uh, next question by Chris here. Uh, when do I become the end boss of the CFB showdown? I feel like if I beat Huey a third time, then they just basically have to hire me mm-hmm. at that point. I think I have to. Yeah, you're the it. new Huey. Yeah. Yeah. It would be and kind of fun. cool if it were like a King of the Hill setup. Sort. Of. I mean, obviously, like it is cool to play against one of the the CFB pros at the end of the thing, but it a, a King of the Hill thing would be neat too. Can I derail this this uh, Sean question <laughs> thing? Because the King of the Hill thing that they did for Pro Tour Rivals of Ixalan. Mm-hmm. Which was the last? Well, it was a modern Pro Tour, the one that won by uh, Salvato, I believe. Yeah, that's right. The feature match was like, uh, it wasn't Monarch. What was it called? Like the City's Blessing thing, where they had a special table, and that was the feature match or one of them. And whoever won stayed at the table, and they kept featuring it. Oh right! So you got to see whoever won the previous match. It was so good. That's a cool and idea. Never did it again. Never ever did it again. It was uh, boggling. They have me. a bunch of those things that they tried were sick, never went back to that well again. Okay. Anyway, continue with the questions. So the final question here is by by Dubes asking who is Sean Hunter? Oh, who's Sean Hunter's number one enemy, and why does he keep ducking them? So I think he's referring to himself. But uh, we've only played <laughs> once, and I lost, so I, I can't really call somebody my number one enemy having only played them one time and, and losing. We have to play at least three, I think, is how that yeah. works. Yeah. I have a lot of Whoa. people I've lost to one time. They can't all be my number one enemy. Yeah, the, the nemesis. It depends on how high stakes the match is, I think. Because maybe not number one, 
but I've played Anderson Leclerc once. Mm. And he kicked me out of the qualifier for the cube. So he's, you know, definitely in my list of enemies, even though we've only played once. Fair. That's true. And we also had a couple of people watching that match. And, like, I remember that match. So clearly there's, like, a lot of weight to it. So Yeah, yeah. It's a memorable right. match. There, was, there, there were spectators. And construct tokens <laughs> were involved. And jokes. And jokes. <laughs> it was a fun match. It was a fun match. It was, it was really fun to watch. It was a lot... You, you'd think the stakes were higher because of, you know, the, the spectators. And the stakes actually were kind of high. But me and Anderson were just, like, joking the whole time. So it was this weird... It was a fun game of match. Those are the best kind of matches, though, when you're just, just you know, shooting the shit with the buddies and, and playing. And high stakes especially. It's just fun to have somebody that you know and are just enjoying the game. That's what the best part about Magic is, in my opinion. So I try to do all my tournaments. Definitely the part that I miss, because it's more or less impossible to have that sort of experience in online play. For sure, yeah. Well, anything else? need to talk about in modern or popper or magic generally speak now or uh i'll wrap things up oh you're not gonna go for the uh hold your peace yeah, i went a different way <laughs> okay i i am super excited to have sean do coverage with us this weekend i think it's gonna be super fun and i'm glad he came on this episode <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah thanks for inviting me no, no, seriously, thanks thanks for making time for us for this episode and, and this weekend. Uh, I, I think it'll be a blast. And we'll try to make it fun, even if Popper isn't the most engaging. Like, we entertain Twitch chat far more than most other tournament <laughs> streams. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Sean, thanks again for hanging out. If you want to catch more of us and catch more of Sean, definitely tune in to Manitraders this weekend, Sunday start or Saturday starting at... 10 Eastern, and then the top eight will be on Sunday in the afternoon. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Pretty useful. We will send you food and construct tokens, the only two tokens that we had produced, and uh, perhaps the two most eternally useful tokens that we could possibly have chosen. I I, I I don't really know how we got this this lucky, but to clarify, it's food tokens we'll send you, not actual food. We will not send you food. We will send Why not you both food <laughs> tokens, and we will send you construct tokens, and then you can play as more food decks to your heart's content. Sean, the reason we can't send food is because the male people like CCR's cooking too much. Mm. <laughs> they should eat it themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a terrible thing. I try to send like all these roasts and. They never make it. No, they never make it. I don't know what we're But the male people are super <laughs> nice doing to with this. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on social media. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McLeo. And Sean, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. I am at Baron of Bacon MTG. It's hit 100 followers the other day, so that's kind of exciting for me. Ooh, um, getting there. And yeah, just basically everywhere I'm Baron of Bacon with anything to do with magic, you can you can find me. I don't stream currently. I don't really have a, a great setup for that, but it's something that does interest me. So maybe in the future we can get a stream going. You guys can watch me. Well, at least say hi if, if you run into Sean on Magic Online. It's He's a really else. excellent Twitter follow if you want to know if today is Wednesday or not. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. Have a great week.
Bye. Bye, y'all.